Tell what you need advice on to better buddies. Hello, and welcome back to Better Buddies. I'm your host, RJ. With us this week, it's John. Hi! And James. Hello. Our Better Buddies icebreaker this week. You are the leader of your own country. What is one law everyone must abide by? Oh. Um. You must cha-cha real smooth. boom ba boom boom ba boom <laughs> Um, Turn it up. <laughs> I think that's pretty good. I think it's pretty good. Um, <laughs> no context at all. No situations in which it is necessary. You just must. I think Even I'm going with old. you must get on the floor and walk a dinosaur. <laughs> you must do the you hustle. Must. <laughs> <laughs> you must walk like an Egyptian. <laughs> wow. Sensing a theme. There's a, there's a pattern here. You must you know, do the electric slide. Red <laughs> yard and my corkboard. Um, James, what law are we following? I'm going to say you must. Oh, I've got so many, but I can't say them on the air. Um, <laughs> you the must. Um, so many rules. So many rules, think, uh, so little time. So little time to put them all in a play. Um, I'm going to say... Oh, I don't know if that's... Mm, it wouldn't be compulsory, but it would definitely be like... They must abide. Highly recommended. The dude if abides. Have, if they have to, it's... Yeah, if it's highly recommended. Um, <laughs> I would say... Oh... Oh, I know. Can you you say must this one go. On air? Yeah, this one is. This is one I can say on air. Um, you must go without technology for one day every week. You fucking monster! No, it's easier than you think. Okay. Mm. Um, Are we a strict interpretationist or a loose yeah, interpretationist? We're, we're saying no, no. Okay, so we're saying I'm not saying. Um, I'm saying like no, no TV, um, no, basically no TV, no phones, no movies. Honestly, maybe like I'm not technology. Like you can't use the stove or like where do cars in this? I think cars, cars are like iffy. I would mm-hmm. honestly almost say I would say I would say no. Honestly. No if it has a visual screen, you are not allowed to use it. <laughs> yeah, like so it's there like goes literally no, all of your emergency services. No, no, well, like, like, everybody doesn't do it at the same time. Yeah, it's rotating. Yeah, it is rotating. Yeah, <laughs> the police take one day, ambulance takes the next day, firefighters no, take no, the no. third day. <laughs> <laughs> not even like that. <laughs> Just different personnel. I mean, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I would say. Everyone, everyone, I've I've done it a few times, uh, once or twice. Um, it's definitely difficult. Uh, I will not lie. Um, 
but it is something I would encourage. So yeah, I would say everyone goes without technology for one day every week. But how do I listen to my music? You play it yourself. Damn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is true. I don't have enough hands. <laughs> well, what? Yeah, I mean, hmm. You find some friends to play with you. Yeah, exactly. So you're saying I need to have a backing track band wherever I go? Well, on that one day, yeah. Yeah, just have a band. You just hire out a band and just be like, look, I'm gonna go do this. Y'all need to just follow behind me and be my background music. You could yeah, just start be- a regular band. Yeah. Where they're like all members of said band. <laughs> exactly. That'd be kind of cool. It'd be like in uh, New Orleans where you can hire your own parade, you know? Kind of like Anybody that. Anybody can have a parade, James. I know. You just well, have not to get anybody. I don't know if anyone can have a parade. Yep. Yep. Anyone can have a parade? From the city. I, I think, feel like that varies on a city by city basis. Do you think the American Nazi Party could get a parade, Arche? Are you. <laughs> I'll put it this way, James. Could they? Yes. Should they? No. Will they? <laughs> Depends on your municipality. <laughs> Consult your regional map. For... Consult your regional map for and state you're in to see which one, which one will happen. <laughs> As an American Nazi, you're used to discrimination. We're here to help. Here are the 13 counties in the United States. You can legally have a parade. I don't know if I need to delete that or not. Well, you know... How about, um... Hmm. That hmm. statement, that last statement of James, this is completely a joke. And I swear okay, fucking here. Christ, if James turns out to be a Nazi, I'm deleting the podcast. Oh man, wouldn't that be just the most predictable twist? Um, here's, here's a question I have, okay? Now I'm okay. afraid, James. Yeah, you, you probably should be a little bit, but no, we'll, we'll see. That's, that's worse. John, help. <laughs> hey, put, a, put a clap in so we know where to cut out. Okay, here's my cl- here's my clap. If if you genuinely want to cut this, we'll just we can just after this clap, after I do this, if we if suddenly the conversation jumps, then you know that this was not fit to air. So three, two, one. All right. So okay, I remember I was walking down the street in Marquette, Michigan once, and I saw uh, it was like late fall, early winter. I saw someone was hanging a flag of the USSR, like the hammer and sickle of the soviet union and i was like that's really interesting um now here's it's like an obvious question i think it sounds obvious and i think the answer is maybe more obvious than i think it is but i just want to get your opinion on it why is that okay to fly and the swastika isn't are not comparable here's why they're not comparable okay because while the while the USSR did commit atrocities and that there are other communist institutions and countries that were not great to their people, such as China, the overall is that communism was much more of a rebelling freedom force, despite the other atrocities associated with it, because of World War II. I mean, uh, who's the... Che, che Guevara, right? Is the yeah. That's the revolutionary dude, Cuban? Yeah. So, like, despite the obvious historical atrocities committed in communist countries, it was all, it always had the myth around it of being 
for the working man, for the, we're going to say, rise up, take back what's yours, all that good jazz. Whereas the swastika was much more localized to just Nazi Germany. And Nazi Germany was only interested in conquest. While Russia was interested in influence, and China is still currently interested in influence, they were completely fine with the other countries being, like, sub-states. Or, like, extended arms that were doing their own thing. Because then the Russians and the Chinese can deny, oh, no, no, we're not, we didn't do this, that's not us. Despite the fact that they're See, I, funding majority infrastructure in, like, <laughs> African countries. I, um, like, I, okay, yeah, no, keep going. But, comparatively, Nazi Germany was literally just like, we're taking over and crushing you under our boot. Congratulations. I, I like, I agree to an extent, because I think, obviously, the Soviet Union, at least... Um, for most of its presentation was not ethnically motivated in its conquest. And there's a, there are debates that it was in some areas, like heavy debates. Uh, yeah. But like, obviously that was kind of Nazi Germany's like whole, their whole sort of thing. Um, like that is to a degree what like grounds the levels of fascism is like a heavy nationalism, which I don't think it naturally turns to like a eugenic state of mind, but I think it easily bleeds into it because it's just an incredibly like, or it was at the time, like an incredibly sort of like potent vein to tap. But I would, I don't know. I think like, I, I would like I agree. I did just think of yeah. this, that World War II was very definitive. World War II was a very definitive war against Germany and Russia mm -hmm. was on our side during the war, despite that's its what revolution. I yeah. Comparatively, all of the animosity between America and Russia has always been Cold War levels or lower in terms of open conflict. So it's never been as clear of, like, it, Russia was the enemy, but it was never the, like, I would argue it was never to the same degree of, oh, here's very clearly, we're going to annihilate and eliminate. I, I think, in a way, it's kind of because of that relationship that we don't see. Like, I would argue that flying the flag of the Soviet Union should be as detestable. Like, at, maybe in a different way. Um, they're not comparable on, like, a one-to-one -one analog. And I'm obviously not arguing for flying swastika. I just think yeah. it's interesting because, like, the Soviets committed on a, on a like, scale, like, quantitatively like far more atrocities over a longer period of time from 1918 to effectively 1989. They were, they were like, they, they damaged like tens of millions of lives. Um, and again, like, but how many did they different, like, like in a concentrated effort to annihilate entire cultures? Like if we, well, if we count like the, <clears throat> if we count like the, if even if we don't count uh, just the Soviet Union, if we're just talking about the, if we're just talking about communism, I mean that's hundreds of millions of deaths, or like over it at least. If we're counting, China. like the famines in Russia, the killings, China, um, China's great China, famine in, in China, like the multiple famines there. Again, like debatably engineered, questionably so. Like, um, the obviously the incidents in Vietnam, which America had a hand in, so that's not entirely 
fault um if we're counting as well like interference in the middle east which again to be fair that's a figure you could point at like most of the west um like stuff like that like to me it's like i almost i think it's oddly because we did need them at one point on our side and like because of that we had to sort of like soften for a moment our perspective of them because we had to make that whole thing like palatable and then by the time that like it was all over um they were too big for us to and we weren't we weren't in any position to basically like whack them down um and we just kind of had to accept it you know I what think i mean going along like, with that too is uh, speaking to that point is whenever i think communism i think bad communism is bad communism has mm-hmm. resulted in bad things <laughs> through ineptitude through purpose whatever you want to call it communism is bad but nazi is evil and i think that's the distinction that's fair that's definitely fair like communism is more just sort of like ugly brutality nazism is definitely like a honed and sharpened like hatred like it's very um with the fans that we referenced it was very much a you're making poor like choices on a national scale because you have no idea what you're doing and no idea the delicate balances you're playing with here but yeah i mean yeah no yeah on the flip side nazi germany knew exactly what it was doing yeah and there again there are debates there are debates i've like i've heard and i can't cite anything so so this is i mean it almost counts for nothing just me saying this but like there are debates that like they kind of basically knew what was going to happen but they did it anyway and they let because of that you know like millions of people just starve to death because they were like well oh well i guess um uh so there's there's elements of that um and i mean like i was reading an article like i was reading the wikipedia article on the assassination of the romanov family uh-huh. last night i don't know why i was just doing it but like the description of it and granted that's from a secondhand source and that's something that happened you know over 100 years ago but just the description of like and and granted you know the czars aren't exactly like the greatest people in the world but they were just obviously like people in some capacity and the description of like how that execution was handled by basically like on all accounts, like on the, the firsthand supposed accounts of the people who were there, it was basically just like, there was the head guy who was like trying to keep it together, but very intent on like killing the family. Yep. Um, and then the rest of them were basically just like drunken, like brutes who like, initial goal was like all right we're gonna get the family down in the basement and then we're gonna shoot that like this guy the head guy we're gonna shoot all of them um aim for the heart because it means there's like least amount of blood that we're gonna have to basically chop out the bodies dissolve them in quick lime and like burn them take them out to the woods and bury them because no one can know basically what happened here like no one can know we can't have like anti-communist forces figuring out that we did this because it's gonna add like fuel to the fire and it could lead to a reinstatement of of the czar and um basically because quite a few of them had gotten drunk or just weren't good or through circumstance whatever like a lot of them missed their shots there were only two people who were killed 
like immediately. So they literally had to like beat and stab them to death. Uh, like in this darkened, smoky basement. Um, and like, and they did a bunch of other stuff that's like super questionable. So like, again, like, I guess maybe the debate could be like, like in Nazism, it's literally like, I don't know if I believe in like absolute evil for people. Like, I don't know if anyone is absolute evil, but clearly like to some capacity, if there was such a thing, like it's like Nazism was a regime like run and constructed by basically absolutely evil people. If we can be somewhat productive and non-complex whereas like communism is more of just a system that allowed i guess like ugly parts of human nature to truly just break out and do basically whatever they wanted because anything they did they could just cover up and if you have enough force behind it you can either intimidate or kill or bribe or well and that's what i was gonna point out just now of the like getting back to why the two flags aren't equivalent is there's always the people who you point out a lot of this communist, this history around communism. And they say, well, that's not true communism. That's not what communism actually is. They didn't do it right. Yeah. They left out this part of it. They didn't do this or they did. This thing went wrong. So they're still waiting for quote unquote, true communism to happen when it's like, well, that's nice. <laughs> but if this is what it is in name, doesn't that also make it what it is in practice? I think that's fair. I mean, I, I see what they were trying to do, like the idea of a society that wasn't totally centered around like capital and production and stuff like that. Like that, I would argue that's truly only per, uh, possible in a post uh, scarcity society. I would, I would agree. I would, I would agree, which is why I think like capitalism almost debatably, and this is me putting on my like art school beret, mm -hmm. like debatably capitalism needs to almost be worked through. It needs to kind of eat itself. We, we need to sort of like get sick of it because we're going to like, I do think we're going to have to find something else. Like, I don't think it's like functional. And I know it's funny because like on the, on the converse side, like I hear, I sometimes you talk to people who are very like staunchly like capitalist or whatever. And they're like, well, like, you know, technically this isn't even true capitalism. Like if it fails, it's not like this or that. Yeah. It's like, I don't know, man, like this, like this looks to be about like what it is, you know, and we can talk about like ideals and stuff like that. I'm all for that. Like I really am, but like, it seems like what you would think to be like true capitalism, you wouldn't even really want because I think you just want to prosper, which is like fair. It's an unfair impulse to have, but like, it also doesn't seem like what true capitalism, I don't know if you would proper prosper under well, part of the, true capitalism. That gets down to some of the nitty gritty of the like, theoretically anybody can go fill in. If there's a need, you can fill the need and you can prosper and just like beat out your competition and win out and it's like okay well that's great but we've seen time and time again that when we just kind of let that happen we end up with the oil barons who run the country in the like friggin 1870s or whatever the heck it was not 1870s yeah 100 whatever yeah yeah no the the like the robber barons and yeah, stuff the like robber that barons, where it's like they're they do not give a flying fuck about any reasonableness when it comes to how workers are treated. 
No, and I I think it's like a good point too. It's it's interesting because in um, it's one of I think it's like one of the recurring debates of like political philosophy. Basically, like is there a way for um basically that situation to be avoided uh because it's happened in every society is like there's always this like other group that kind of runs stuff because if you think about it like if you almost think about it in the terms of like a student council there's like the actual structure of the student council right but then there are the cliques within the student council and ultimately administration and there's the administration yeah you're right then there's the administration but debatably as well within the student council, there is a there are usually some cliques who there's usually a ruling clique in the student council. And often they may fall into the direct leadership positions, but not always. Um, so it's kind of like that, like that's kind of the blueprint for like most, I think, human organizational structures. And uh, um, that's what makes like the book, The Republic, really interesting that Plato wrote because he was basically like, well, why don't we just try and train the most ethical group of people to basically like run the government? Like we raise them from birth and we basically put them through a bunch of sort of like like high education and all these different like trials. And it's only when they've like proved themselves in larger society that they'll be basically like tapped on the shoulder to run the government. We're basically just going to get the literal cream of the crop. Yeah. And these just people who are like smart or strong. These are people who are like ethically, morally dedicated to like the preservation of the state. Because the idea is like, well, a group of people like this is going to emerge anyway. Why don't we just like beat them to the chase and put this in? And like, again, it's good in theory. I don't know how well that would work in practice, but yeah, I don't, I don't think that would work well in practice. I think it would depend. I think you would really like it would need to be. Yeah, you'd really have to get a group of people and even if they don't know they're being trained up for it it's clear that they're going through life in some way shape or form preparing for something and in being prepared for something they would be set they would be apart from the others they would be above them and then once given that power they would go ah this is what i've been training for and suddenly the power is absolute, and now they are corrupted absolutely, and now we are back to where we began. Yeah, I would, I would, I think I, I see your point, and I, I, it's not, um, it's not taken lightly. Um, like I agree. I think like the debate with it within the the framework of the book or the ultimate idea would basically would basically be that like these are people that like does not happen that they have gone through a series of trials in life that have basically um the idea that they that that these trials separate like the truly it's not even like they're not like better in the same way that like a basketball player isn't better than you um in every way just because they can play like basketball or like a great writer Uh that's not true james all basketball players are gods among men you're right. Maybe we should let them run the country. That'd be kind of fun. We should. I bet. I bet we get some some cool some cool stuff. Just rotate different sports. Can uh, run like the entire government. I'd actually kind of love that. We'll just split um, up among the three branches. Clearly, football is executive. <laughs> basketball yeah. is judicial, and baseball <laughs> is legislative. Yeah, basketball is courts. You know. See. Uh, Perfect fit. Uh, I mean, again, isn't there the highest court, the Supreme, there's the, the court Supreme on top court. of the Supreme Court? The Pfizer Forum, right? The Supreme yeah. Court. 
<laughs> exactly. I can't I love... wait for Supreme Court Justice Airbud. <laughs> I love. <laughs> Please, hey. Airbud would clearly be a president. Well, would not be. if the basketball players are Supreme Court. But Airbud was a football dog. Yeah, Airbud was I thought he was football, then basketball, then soccer. Oh, I thought he was basketball first. Was He's he not? He's truly a renaissance man. He's a dog. <laughs> yeah, the Vitruvian man, but with Air Bud. Um, <laughs> with a golden yeah. retriever. <laughs> golden retriever. Um, I'm to look. I, I love that, actually. I'm starting to I doubt myself. Bait. I think you're right. I love... Well, I think it's Air Bud, because like Air Ball, right? Yeah. Um, I like the idea of baseball being... Film. Wow. Yeah, legislative. No, I was wrong. Sick. He would be a justice. Uh, the idea of uh, basketball be or uh, baseball being like legislative is really funny to me since it's a very long game that very few people can pay like attention to. So it's perfect for C-SPAN. You've never <laughs> been to a baseball game, have you? Yeah, I have. Absolutely, I have. People know stands. There are, but like it's like usually like in the popular culture, it's usually like it is exciting at least at like it is exciting. It's America's pastime, but at the same time too, like it's also popularly stereotyped as like very very long and sort of like it's basically like if golf wasn't golf, you know what I mean? It, it's sort of like usually stereotyped like that. I take the title of golf is the most boring sport. <laughs> Yeah, which is unfortunate because I think golf is pretty cool. I think what they should do is they should let the golf players get as ripped as possible on the, uh, I mean, like, lifting weights. I mean, like, they should be drinking, like, dirty Arnold Palmer's the whole the whole time. <laughs> um, every hole is a different drink. I That's what I want to see. When actually. you're just hitting projectiles towards a crowd, that sounds like a good Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, past the ninth hole, the goal does not become, it. you're no longer scored... Uh, on like getting it in the hole you're just you scored on like the the best shot that you get basically the the funniest one on the slow-mo cam so fewest number of pedestrians hit yeah the fewest or the most depending on how funny it is like after nine it's you're scored on humor not skill <laughs> I like, we should move uh, on to our next segment fair enough <laughs> our next segment is better buddies recommend where we recommend a piece of media to enjoy who would like to start? Um, I have kind of two, but I haven't it. finished one of them yet. So I'll just go with the other one. Um, I've been listening to the band Flip Turn lately. Flip Turn? Flip Turn. Flip Turn. Is this about swimming? Is it about swimming? Mm, I don't believe so. But perhaps I don't know. They're just another one of those like indie rock bands. Pretty good, pleasant background songs. Nice. Yeah. Any notable instrument usages? Mm. Guy just has a really interesting voice. Fair enough. Um. Other than that, it's just standard rock instruments: trick guitars, uh, drums stuff probably some synthesizer keyboards or something nice how long have they uh, been around um apparently they just released their debut album oh wow within the last few months but their first single (laughs) their first single is from 2018 
So they've been around for a while. They just haven't had like a full album. They've just had EPs. That's still pretty indie. Oh, 2017 even. Damn. Nice. So yeah. Good band. James, you want to go next or should I? I, I can go next for sure. Oh. Um, I am going to say, so... Let me think here really quick. I'm going to say, I was, I was walking, taking a walk in Central Park a couple days ago. And I walked, there's like one section with this like bandstand, you know, this long avenue, this big wide uh, avenue in the park with all these trees. And I was not expecting to find this, but there was a band playing there, like a oh. band. Um, and they were really fun to watch. Uh, they were called Pan Arcadia. And they, um, like their their band name, like their whole logo is like you know you guys know like the Pan Am logo, you know it's like yeah. the blue, yeah. yeah. So it's like that, but it's got Pan Arcadia in it, which I thought was like interesting, like kind of cute, that's kind of fun. Um, and it was really cool. It was like a it was like four or five guys basically, and they looked like um straight out of like somewhere but somewhere between like nineteen seventy two and like two thousand eight. You know what I mean, like. Um, the lead singer had like shoulder length, like long hair, was wearing aviators, leather jacket. Um, a lot of the other guys were just like longer hair, like kind of baggier clothes, um, kind of like either banging away on the drums or playing like bass, something like that. They had a horn player, like a, like a trumpet player, um, who was literally just in like suspenders with one of the straps undone and like nothing else. And they were all, they looked like they were maybe about our age. They could have either been a little younger or a little older. I'm not entirely certain. Um, but they kind of sounded almost like almost like uh, the first album of like KG Elephant's like first album mixed with like a little bit of neutral Milk Hotel and like the Arctic Monkeys. Um I really, really liked their sound. I sat down and listened to like a few of their songs. Uh they were playing and they were really fun they were like really they seemed to have like a good stage presence there was actually like a little crowd that had like gathered watch them and stuff either on the benches or actually like standing up kind of just like in front of the bandstand listening uh and i really really thought it was cool um it's like one thing to walk past one of those like groups and it, i don't know maybe you know they don't always grab you you know what i mean um yeah but i never yeah. really had that before where i'd like like and it really almost anywhere I've lived where I've actually like sat down and like really actually listened to like a group like that. Maybe that's on me. Perhaps I've like missed missed out on some great, you know, kind of kind of people, some great acts. But um you can find them on social media. Uh you can also find them on like I, I have Apple Music, so I downloaded a bunch of their like singles and stuff. I don't know if it's going to be for everybody, uh, but it's pretty fun, pretty like sort of like jazzy or not jazzy, but like, yeah, like uh, kind of blown out speaker, like punkish, but still fun, like, well, punkish and fun, like rock and roll. Uh, it's cool. Uh, you don't really expect to see music like that nowadays um, really perform that much. At least I don't. And maybe that's just because I'm a little bit sheltered. Uh like usually and and you i expect even less for it to really draw like a crowd because it sometimes feels like music in general has sort of moved on from that scene so it's cool to kind of see it 
uh, flourish a little bit. And uh, they're like obviously a local band uh, to some capacity, just like a group of guys who are having fun, like making music. Can't obviously speak to their character, don't know who they are as people, but I liked their music. So I would recommend uh, Pan Arcadia. That's all word. Nice. It's not all one word. Is it not? I swear to goodness it was. Not according to the Spotify top tracks list. Uh, you're right. It's not. I definitely thought it was because that's how it was stylized on their stuff. But you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Cool. That was really fun. I'm going to break the trend. I don't got no music. Do it. What I do have is a graphic novel. I'm recommending Batman the White Knight. By Sean Murphy. Okay. It is a Batman Elseworlds alternate reality story thing where it's not like an alternate reality in terms of like, oh, it's gonna be a crossover event with the DC Universe. It's just one of those like, hey, this isn't like a main canon story. Just enjoy it for what it is. Um, And he had permission to kind of do whatever he wanted with it. And the story premise is Joker gets out of Arkham again. And leads Batman, Batman on a chase through Gotham. Batman, he, Joker is on one of those like hoverboard motorized scooter things, while Batman is in the Batmobile. And as Batman is chasing Joker down, he destroys a bunch of rooftops driving over them. He ruins a construction site, injuring three people. And as he chases Joker, like he gets out of the Batmobile and chases Joker into like a pharmaceutical factory. He knocks over the guard who is trying to tell him which way Joker went. And then once he catches up to Joker, Joker's whole thing is like, ah, I've, I'm going to, I'm going to best you. I've got these pills. I know they'll cure me. And Batman flips out, grabs the pills and just pours them down Joker's throat. It all gets shot on camera as Joker's like choking on these pills and it gets leaked to the press. <laughs> but the pills work. Joker is taken care of. Uh, Jack Napier returns as just a regular guy. And his chemical imbalance is balanced out. He's still got, like, the general psychological problems, but nothing, like, not to the Joker levels. He's still got to be a little bit careful. He's still got to, like, do, be, like, keep himself in check because Joker's still in there and he's got to take the pills. But now he's just Jack Napier. And it's this whole... He decides to become Gotham's White Knight. And, like, try and save the city. But, like, one of the really fun twists at the beginning is he goes back home to his hideout, to Harley Quinn, to propose to her. Because, you know, he does love her. And he's he realizes how horribly he's treated her over the years. And he t he's like, I'm gonna make it up to you. Like, I'm gonna... Like, this is, it's okay. And he proposes to her. And... She's like, no, I don't, what are you doing? No, let's go rob a bank. Come on. Where, what, who are you? You're not Joker. And then another Harley Quinn walks in. It turned out that at some point Harley got fed up with Joker's whole thing. Like he just took it too far. And in a, the middle of a bank heist, Joker picked up a new Harley. And just didn't realize it. Wait a minute. Okay, hold on. 
Wait. Yeah. So, wait, where does the second Harley come from? So, the second Harley's literally just, like, a bank teller that Joker, like, forces into helping him carry the money out. And before he went crazy, or... After. Or, like, before... So, before, so he's okay, Joker, yeah, hold right? on. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. He's Joker. Harley Quinn is his Harley Quinn, but he takes it too far at one point, and she dips. He never realizes she leaves. Like, he knows she's gone, but doesn't really, like... Bye, John. John's internet dropped. That's unfortunate. Yeah. Um... He, like, he knows she's gone, but the bank teller that is, like, handing him the money looks enough like Harley that he starts calling her, like, Puddin' and stuff. Okay. And so she goes along with it, and she she finds it, like, a freeing experience, so she just pretends to be Harley Quinn. And she takes over his money. And so Joker, when he's sane, comes back. He comes back and doesn't realize there was a switch. Oh, that's funny. He never realized it, so he tries to propose to her, and she's like, what the fuck are you doing? Get back in costume. <laughs> and then the real Harley walks in without makeup, and just, like, oh, welcome back, John. Thank hey. you. That resolved itself quickly. Yay. So yeah, the real Harley walks in, smacks new Harley in the face, and takes Jack Napier home. And so it's a whole process of, like, the Joker, having been cured, is trying to fix Gotham and end corruption and expose the, like, how Batman is really more damaged to the city than helping. Um, and some of the, like, the little thing, some of the little things are different enough to make it, like, r- really compelling. Um, Interesting. And it's the first in a series of stories. Uh, it's three stories. There's Batman the White Knight, which I've read. I need to read the next two. The next one is Batman Curse of the White Knight, which leads to a whole nother, like, war, basically, for Gotham. And then there's Beyond the White Knight, which incorporates, like, Batman Beyond elements, and, like, the Batman Beyond of Terry McGinnis stealing the Batman Beyond suit out of the rubble of the Batcave, and... Batman trying to, like, hunt him down and stop him and how, like, all the stuff plays out. So it's it's very interesting, but very compelling. <laughs> really, really quick. I was like, I was like, Jack Napier, where's the, where's the pun? Because it's like, usually these names Jack always Nap- have some play words. Yeah, I was like, Jack Nape. I was like, oh, I felt so smart for figuring that out. I was like, ah, that's good. And, like, there's some other really interesting stuff, too, of, like, oh, Mr. Freeze is the son of a German Nazi scientist who is working on a freeze gun for the, <laughs> for the U.S. and op- Project Operation Paperclip. Freeze, like, F-R-I-E-S. Yeah. Like, you could say it like that. That's funny. That's good. That actually is really good. And so, like, he was still Mr. Freeze who, like, went and cryogenically did himself in or whatever, but, like... And, like, froze himself up and had the suit or whatever. But, like, they don't present him as a villain. Like, he's never a villain in the story. All his villainies in the past. And it's all just been in devotion to trying to, like, save his wife. And so he ends up working with Batman in private. Like, he sets him up with a... Batman sets him up with a secret lab. And they're, like, working to cure the 
cryogenesis the cryo stuff how um how do you feel that they handled the like the joker um because that's a pretty sudden i don't know that usually comic books are kind of like used to this sudden like kind of shift in the world um and that's kind of like the appeal especially with stuff like this how do you feel they actually handled that shift like do you think the jack napier character was explored to his fullest extent at least in the issue that you've read so far do you think it was actually like good do you think so far he was explored to the extent you could in that they presented they initially present joker as being not necessarily like out to commit crimes because he's just an evil criminal and wants to sow chaos it's he wants to be close to batman Joker is obsessed with Batman, and the closest he can figure out to being close to Batman is to be his rival, to be his number one enemy. That would be the closest he could get to being with Batman. Okay. And the closest he would come to knowing Batman is a person. And so the flip of that is Jack Napier loving Gotham, still wanting to help save Gotham, and wanting to be on the like wanting to help but he uh it's like a limited time thing like as the story goes on the pills are working less and less oh is it okay so there's diminished effects diminishing, so diminishing effects and it's kind of a like does he manage to leave gotham a better place than he found it before he loses out to the joker entirely that's really interesting. And it, the That's entire, real. the majority of the plot of the book is the fact that Joker's out here trying to fix things. <laughs> method. <clears throat> Meanwhile, Batman doesn't believe it. And it's the slow progression of like people coming around over to Jack Napier's side and being like, no, yeah, he really does want what's best for Gotham. He's really trying to help Gotham. <clears throat> and slowly the like, Nightwing comes around, and Bar- and Batgirl comes around, and Commissioner Gordon comes around, with Batman being the last one to come around. But it's to the point where, like, Batman's getting hunted down by the GCPD, because he's, go- he's going so hard after Joker that he's more of a problem than a solution. <laughs> That's kind of funny. Yeah. No, that's an interesting of um, like focusing on that type of character because in, in Jack Napier is just kind of like a dude, right? Like he he might be. I'm assuming he's like kind of above average intelligence or he's charismatic or something. But he's, it's he still has all the skills of Joker, if that makes sense, right? Because Joker's yeah. super intelligent to pull off crimes. He's super charismatic. He's funny, but he does so for the purpose to cause chaos, destruction, and death. And Napier twists it to try and, like, he's gunning for political power to help improve the, uh, um, like, they set up that there's a neighborhood in Gotham that is called, uh, what's it, it's like Backwater or something, or Back something, but the running nickname is Black, whatever it is, because it's an underprivileged, like, people of color neighborhood. So, like, Joker goes there and is pulling support there and, like, manages to get accepted by the neighborhood as, hey, this is going to be our guy. It's kind of funny. Yeah. 
But yeah, The White Knight, really compelling, and it really is one of those... Somebody was given the chance to write the the Batman book they wanted to read, and they had a good story. And they were allowed to just keep going. Cool. What do we want to do next? Well, we could do the pitch, or we could... I mean, obviously, or we can do the advice. We could do like a mini pitch if we have anything like that. Like, we could just throw out ideas that we think that would be fun. Because um, I know, like, we don't have like a whole lot of time left. Yeah, we're gonna let's 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 j- brainstorm some pitch ideas to put in future. I like that. Um, uh, I've got my one that I shared with you guys this week. That's like the nineteen dollars and eighty four cents. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love that, actually. Yeah, do you want to explain that one? Yeah, so what that was, was it's like a reading of George Orwell's 1984, but entirely within the context of, like, a local fast food restaurant. So, like, Culver's, for example, you could have Craig Culver's watching. <laughs> and, like, all the, the new speak, double speak stuff could just be, like, all the all the weird stuff you have to say as a fast food worker. Be You're really happy about your nerd and double, triple, super deluxe tokens. combo. <laughs> Do you have your Scoopy tokens? <laughs> I love. I could definitely see that as like a stage play or as like a like, like a short film or something. Yeah, a short film for sure. Like, because it, it, I would love the idea of it taking place all in one location. Like, I think that's kind of awesome. I could definitely see it as like. Stage play, short film, or like one of those like mid nineties like independent films. You know and what I mean? They're getting news reports, news updates about new franchise locations, and like that's the <laughs> war, the ongoing war that they get news about in nineteen eighty four. Instead, it's the like, yeah. oh, they franchised out to this new town, and they're competing with the restaurant there. Yeah, I love the yeah. What are you talking about? We've always been at war with Arby's. <laughs> yeah, we just otherize a different fast food franchise. Yeah. I love that. No, it's so simple, but it's like kind of genius. I love it. It makes me wonder if it's already been done because I feel like nah. it has to have. I feel a like the, way. the fast food genre of American films is like uh, it's stoner movies, underpopulated. It, it's stoner movies. It is. Or it's like highbrow chef movies, such as along the lines of like Chef. Yeah, there's no. It's it's. There's I can't think of a definitive. I guess like Good Burger kind of comes close. Um, Good Burger is kind of like a definitive like fast food movie to a degree, but at the same time, like I don't know, I can't think of anyone that really, really comes to mind. So that could be it. That could be the one. That could be the one. Is there a modern? Let me pitch something to you. Is there a modern Pinocchio story, but instead of a carpenter? Somebody 3D prints a puppet. Um, I don't think so. They are, um, like, releasing like a new Pinocchio movie. They are. But, like, yeah, everything needs are. its crappy modern adaptation. Right, uh, and that's already on the way. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> Just the remake that's coming out sometime I mean, soon. I could, I could definitely see something involving like a 3D printer. I think the problem is the technology is still seen as a little too foreign for most people, so there's something sort of like 
Because um, there's so many I could, carvers. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, but I mean, like, when Pinocchio was written, like, carpentry was, uh, like, puppetry. Yeah. That, that was... But I could see something with a 3D printer. I could see, like, a horror movie. Yeah, I could see, like, movie. Annabelle or Chucky or something with a 3D printed. Yeah. Like, yeah. Mini <laughs> Like, yeah. Chucky's using a 3D printer to print himself, like, a gun. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking, like, something comes out of the printer. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, oh, this is this or, would be like those crappy internet movies back before anybody knew how the internet worked, where it's like, you've got mail. Oh, yeah, where it's like death, death by, yeah, like death by email. Death by chain email. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't forward it on to 10 more people. <laughs> That unfriended movie where they're all on the call together and yeah, and they all get fucking axed one by one. It's a it's not a bad premise, but I don't know if it had to be made. Um, I guess to be fair, I don't know. Every now, very few things have to be made, but yeah. Hmm. Okay, I I have one that I've like actually had for like a long time, like probably over six or seven years. Pitch it. No, longer than that, probably since I was in high school. I always thought. Okay, so like there was the period in the 1840s um, where after in the wake of the French Revolution um, and some like the student revolutions that happened in the 30s, there was the Holy Alliance that was between I think it was like Prussia, France and Italy, Russia or something. Um, I can't remember exactly who was in it but it was it was some of those continental powers and basically the whole goal of the alliance was to create a network of spies who would inform on people who were spreading revolutionary sentiment and like anti-monarchical ideas and i thought like a sort of swashbuckling mid-19th century um like spy thriller or adventure movie in the vein of like something like the pirates of the Caribbean would be so fun where it's like you got your scrappy underdogs from like the, you know, the three countries who are being um, like, who are part of the, like the Holy Alliance or countries who, you know, they're, they're trying to like, they're, they're, they're kind of like, Oh, we're against the King or like, they're just sort of, uh, they want to be free or they just get caught up in it. Like whatever you want to do. Maybe that, maybe that's each one of their personalities. Um, and it's them sort of like going on this adventure, like fighting against this sort of like monolithic monarchical force. And you can have like cool little, like backroom scenes and people fighting on like carriages and, running through you know crowded uh european streets down boulevards like you can involve certain fit like historical figures if you want basically be like assassin's creed meets like pirates of the caribbean meets kind of like an indiana jones type thing um sort of uh i kind of like that a little bit like i thought that would be sort of a fun movie to see um or the story to tell yeah uh i got one more idea to pitch out there uh flavortown the movie it's just a fictional oh, no. guy fieri i'm that, that's apparently my genre is fictional biographies for real people <laughs> yeah i love that absolutely why not so just what? make a real biography 
Because that's, dude, you can do so much more with it. Yeah, exactly. Legend of Flavortown. Legend of Flavortown. We just turned Flavortown into a mythical, like, Irish folktale fae realm where Guy Fieri, much like Finn McCool, the Irish folk legend, uh, defends Flavortown and the entrance to Flavortown. And much in the way of, like, Elmo in Grouchland, whatever that movie was, where there's an entire Flavortown world that Guy Fieri must save. But he ends up a fish out of water and he's, and he's in the real world and he has to find his way back to Flavortown. So Flavortown is like a real town? Flavortown <laughs> is a real town, but it's also a realm of delicious food and just so like dynamite the flavor. It's kind of like what? It's like the Smurfs movie. Yeah. It's the Smurfs <laughs> movie, but with Guy Fieri. <laughs> I love, the idea, I love the idea that in Flavortown, like Guy Fieri comes from a, a town where everyone looks like him. Like, like not, not just like same style. The frosted tips and the no, no, fire it's on. all it's all Guy Fieri's. No. Like, and the only difference is like the, that's too why too Smurf. Too Smurf. Oh, but that'd be so funny. And then he comes to another city, and he's like, "Wow, it's <laughs> what." Something's different. <laughs> Who's no. the Gargamel of the Guy Fieri verse? Who's the um, Gargamel of the Guy Fieri verse? I mean, it's um, got to be Ronald McDonald. Really? I was oh, going to yeah, say... Guy all about diners, dive-ins, and drives. These hometown, local establishments compared to corporate America cooking. Oh, yeah, because Gargamel wants to, like, use them for something. I forgot about that. Yeah, Gargamel yeah. wants to grind up the Smurfs to make an immortality potion or some shit. What? <laughs> yeah. yeah. He wants to cook and eat the Smurfs. That's so funny. Smurfette is a fake Smurf made by Gargamel to try and capture the Smurfs, and then she turns and joins with the Smurfs. I did not know Smurf lore was so intricate. It is. It is. <laughs> and we haven't even talked about the Smurf knockoffs yet. Snorks? Oh, you picked the one I was gonna say. Hey... The finest of the Smurf knockoffs. <laughs> there are probably quite a few. Oh, yeah. I would bet. Is that even a knockoff, knockoff, or aren't Snorks like canon within the Smurf universe? I don't know. Is it a separate species? That's a question I need answered. <laughs> well, we talk about the real hard hitting things here Our communism Snorks versus canon. Nazism and Smurfs versus Snorks. Smurfs. I mean, that's really what life boils down to. <laughs> It's it's these dichotomies, you know, um, and everyone knows that, you know, why can't I fly the Smurf flag in my neighborhood? But Snorks is totally fine. I think not. So it looks like Smurfs. I Smurfs think Smurfs came were first. Fun. Yeah, it did. And Snorks are completely unrelated because they're from two different countries. The Smurfs first appeared in French comic strips. Well, the Snorks were printed and distributed in Belgium comic strips. Belgium and France are like the same country. <laughs> oh, oh, because they're next to each other. Yeah, oh, and they have a lot of shared heritage. <laughs> yeah, like losing. 
Hanna-Barbera, seizing upon the success of the Smurfs TV show, decided that multicolored characters living in a village underwater would be just as interesting to kids as monochromatic characters living in a village above ground. They were wrong. (laughs) Look at this this name for the... This is like, I guess, what the Smurfs' like original name was. Hold on, I gotta, I gotta fucking find this. There is a a movie that they both appear in. Really, it seems. And it's... Yeah, it looks like it's called uh, Snorks and Smurfs Beyond Land and Sea. Wow, <laughs> that sounds awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Look at this. Le, le Smurfs Beyond Land and Sea Idea Wiki. Yeah, it's like an Idea Wiki, but. 3D CGI computer animated film by Sony Pictures. On Smurf Perfect. Turf, remembering the Snorks. What? Well, I have completely derailed this podcast. That's okay. <laughs> oh my god, the Smurfs ran for nine seasons? Yeah, I mean, back then they didn't really put out a whole lot of episodes. To so be it's, fair, I the mean, the Snorks only ran for one season. The Snorks ran for four seasons, it said, with oh. 65 episodes. Let's check. Wow, this is unbelievable. I uh, genuinely nope. can't. I stand corrected. Four seasons. Wait. Um, yep, four seasons. Still. Uh, so let's give it some advice. Yeah, let's let's do it. You think people are going to take advice from people who are just talking about Smurfs and Snorks for the last five minutes? Um, we clearly know what we're talking about. So yes. Yeah, dude. Can't take advice from us. Who can you take advice from? Uh, real quick, I need to I need to gauge the temperature on this. Smurfs or Snorks? Take your pick. Mm. Smurfs. Man, I'm gonna have to say Smurfs. All right, good. So we are experts who can be trusted. I want to say Snorks because they look cool, but I don't know. I'm not a huge fan of the underwater thing, so. So our next segment is How to Be a Better Buddy, where we give some real and some humorous advice. Uh, What's the most backhanded compliment you've ever received? Oh. I I know distinctly what mine is. Mine, I was at a high school dance. And somebody we knew, I, I had glasses. I still have glasses, but my glasses right now are like a thick frame. And back then, I still was on, like, the wireframe stuff. And somebody took my, like, a girl took my glasses off of the dance. And then she proceeded to say, wow, you look better without your glasses. And my Oof. first thought was, thanks, you too. <laughs> Dang. I mean, I I that's not... It, but it was really kind of like, what, like, okay, I need the glasses, like, what the fuck? Well, I guess, yeah. Thanks, you do too. What a comeback. Yeah, not bad. Legendary. (laughs) (laughs) Just the GTA, uh, what is it, killed? Or whatever. Wasted. (laughs) Wasted, that's it. Wasted. (laughs) I had enough anxieties as a teenager about, like, my appearance to then, like, show up at a school dance where I'm trying to be even better than my normal appearance, and you point out the one thing I can't fix? Like, come on. Oh, yeah, 
Yeah, this is my why. Brand. This is <laughs> my brand. This is now a one eight hundred contacts commercial. Yeah, it is. <laughs> expensive. Contacts. Oh, yeah. heard. Are they more expensive than glasses? Mm, only because you get more of them. Because mm. you have to keep buying them. I don't know. I've never had them for a serious amount of time. I'm trying to look into getting them, though. Sorry. <laughs> I'm trying to think of like a backhanded compliment that I remember. I don't um, think I have one that stuck with me. Yeah. Hold on here. Let me think. Let me let me dig real deep. Mm. Yeah. I'm coming up I'm coming up blank. Yeah. All right. I guess it's just me that bears a grudge. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, there's, there's other, there's like, I'm sure there's other stuff. I mean, there's like, I've been called like a doormat. I've been called, uh, that was, that was just insult, though. yeah, that's just a compliment. <laughs> I know. I don't have any like that I have immediately. Um, Maybe we're just not socially intelligent enough to realize it wasn't like a legitimate compliment. <laughs> yeah, it's either that or I'm like, yeah, like you only remember the first part. <laughs> I mean, ignorance is bliss. You it just retain the compliment part, not the backhanded part. Yeah. It's like, wow. <laughs> wow, you say I look good without my glasses? Say, wow, Thank you. So <laughs> yeah. They said I was sensitive for a sociopath. That's so nuts. <laughs> Mm, All right, we'll yeah. just move on to our next one then. Mm. I'm 24. Why am I already grunting when I'm sitting down? Uh, with the further details, I'm too young for that shit. Not too young for anything. Well, no, take that back. You are, but oh, oh no, uh, <laughs> oh no, James. <laughs> Whoops. Um, did not mean that. Uh, there are plenty of things you're too young for. Um, they're 24, James. Yeah, you can still be you're you can still be too young for can't a lot run of for president. Yep, can't run for the president. No, you can't be probably can't be president. Oh. You can run. Is that a distinction there? I, I suspect it would be. You can get somebody running and just stall for ten years. I don't years. think you could get on the ballot. You could campaign, I suppose. Anybody could campaign, but yeah. like why would you if there's Fair. no possible to, chance of success to drum up uh you know grass it's like crowd stuff you know what i mean you know what i'm saying yes, if you're playing the really long game the real long you're like game. when i come of age i will have this base of support exactly that's very expensive <laughs> <laughs> oh yes but no guarantee of paying off I would say, I, I mean, you're probably getting, you are getting to the point where maybe you're just like, 
you, you're getting to the point where like you're actually getting used to your body probably noticing stuff that you haven't noticed before also it's i think it's literally just probably years of like seeing other people do it and sometimes i feel like you kind of just do that to because it feels good like i don't i don't know like how to put it exactly um it's just sort of like something to signal that you're sitting down i guess um that's yeah. how i kind of see it Maybe it's because you're Benjamin Button, and even though you've only been here for 24 years, you're actually 78. You old no? fuck. Yeah, maybe you, you Brad Pitt looking, looking, looking guy. I was gonna say guy, RJ. A little, little too young for swearing still. All right. <laughs> yeah, this 24 year old is extremely yeah, couth. Yeah. So couth. Yeah. Be couth. Be more couth. I shall be the least couth amongst you. The honest of couths. <laughs> the honest of couths. <laughs> uh, that sounds. <laughs> the honest, the honest of couths. It's a coming of age story about a bunch of kids growing up in a disadvantaged neighborhood, and one of them deciding uh -huh. he's not joining gang life. Oh, that he's gonna be a square. Yeah. I like that. I like, um, you could have some real fun with, like, they're in. reversal comedy, um, <laughs> where he's just struggling, but you can still have it be like an R&B, uh, 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 fucking soundtrack. Sure. Okay. Really uh, quick. What? I, I was watching Osmosis Jones like two nights ago. Uh, and a great movie. Totally for yeah, great. Honestly, yes, they should. I think they should have just had it all animated because the animated portions are amazing. And the live action parts are like so iffy. So like I fast through, through most of them. Yeah, it's like it's like really basic, generic, bland comedy. It's not shot very well at all. Animated portions, fantastic. Um, and I totally forgot. Like that whole movie soundtrack is like R and B. Yeah. <laughs> It's fun, but I was like totally. I was like, "Oh man, this is uh, this is very different." But I was like, "All right, I gotta dig. I can, I can, I can get what this is." Yeah. Did you? Uh, I did can you see the founder out. statue? Oh, the sperm. Yeah. Yes, I did. <laughs> yes. That movie has the movie has some jokes that are very obviously on the nose, which is I'm sure a joke that they at least pitched in that. Um, in that in, yeah. in the writing for that film but has a lot of other jokes that are actually very fun and the animation itself is gorgeous so and they somehow made a tv show off of it for all of like uh, five episodes they did i remember watching that show when it was on like briefly um yeah apologies like uh right. that was just something kind of came to mind we'll do one more sounds good if you could recommend one youtube channel for someone to subscribe to what would it be that's such a good question. That's a really good question. I'm going to pull up my recommendation. What the fuck is this lie to me doing on my thing? I don't want fucking lie to me. Lie to me. So I'm going to recommend a channel that Calvin has recommended before called Listening In. Uh... And it is all about uh, music and sound analysis, particularly in films and movies. Uh, one of which 
probably some of the the three that I listen to, or the the ones I listen to. I listen to the uh, Howard Shore's impeccable score, but specifically how Howard Shore makes us care, and the ways they play with a Hobbit flute music throughout the series, the Lord of the Rings movies, and the way it shifts and separates out. So like. When Frodo and Sam are with the rest of the the fellowship, the flute mu- their flute music's like intertwined, but when they're on their own, it's just the flute music, or it's like pitched away down so it's not in with everybody else. They also have a Star Wars one, The Genius of John Williams, and an, an, it analyzes one song from each of the three trilogies. So yeah, YouTube channel listening in. I love that. Hmm. Who would I suggest? Hmm. Oh, this is tough. I would. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, it's it's hard to pick one because like sometimes say it too just for like a series. I I would honestly say. Yeah, I'm gonna have to say Red Letter Media. Red Letter um, Media. Media. Uh, I think I they have. Yeah, probably some. It was either that or it was gonna be John CJG, who's the guy who made RB and the Chief. Um, but I think RB and the Chief is a little too niche. niche for most people. Yeah, I think more people could get more out of Red Letter Media than RB and the Chief. Although I would also obviously recommend RB and the Chief because I think it's like quintessential, like golden age era internet. Uh, stories basically just great stuff great videos um but red letter media uh who's a for anyone who doesn't know is a um movie review channel based in milwaukee wisconsin run by uh these three guys uh mike staclasa uh jay bauman and rich evans and they do they got they got famous for their reviews of the star wars prequels um which I find myself sometimes disagreeing with more and more, but I still find their analysis like incredibly useful. It's something I would honestly show in film school as maybe like corny as that is, because I think the way they talk about movies, they, they approach it. Like Mike is very sort of like structure and general blockbuster driven. Jay is very sort of like, he's got a huge broad taste in film, but definitely airs on the more sort of like, creepy or kind of like offbeats uh, almost experimental side and rich is just sort of rich is actually kind of into like comic books and video games was like stuff like that so when they come together it's a it's a great blend of all this like sort of experience and their chemistry as well as like friends is great um nice they, they bring yeah i would also say really quick one thing i love about them that i find with so few channels is they have stayed constant they have like occasionally upgraded gotten like slightly better cameras and stuff like that but for the most part there's like really no selling out there's no like no massive expansion yeah they're they've just always kind of been pretty steady they've always been kind of who they are and i really love that um so i think they're going to go down as probably some of the greatest critics of the generation so red letter media nice john do you have a youtube channel to recommend what do you got for us, John? Yeah, it's hard to pick one for like all all walks of life, you know. 
Um, we're going to focus down to like the video game side of things, I guess. Uh, have you guys heard of Rasputin? That's not who I thought you were going to say. No. No, R-A-Z-B-U-T-N. Did you think I was going to say RT game? Because that's my second. <laughs> okay, still not who I thought you were going to say. <laughs> who do you think I was going to say? Whatever reason I thought Etho. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. But that's like just Minecraft, and he fair. doesn't post very often. Um, but this guy, Rasputin, however you pronounce it, um, does like a lot of really well-made, well-thought-out gaming essays. Um, I'm just like, the problem with mini-maps, open-world games are weird. When should a game end? Um, he did this that. like whole gaming for a non-gamer series where like he had his wife play uh, video games for the first time and collect her thoughts on them. Ooh. Stuff like that. So. That's interesting. Yeah. That's really cool. I, I want to watch that. Yes. So. Nice. Yeah. And these they're all like 15, 20 minutes. Um, visuals are really good, but they're also just as great to like leave on and listen to. So. All that's, right. Yeah, that's really cool. Well. That brings us to the end of another episode. Look at that. We got kind of a little bit of everything in there. It's uh, smorgasbord. There's something for everyone, but you're going to have to use that 15-second skip to find what you want. <laughs> many, times. <laughs> so many times. So, really so many times. And don't forget the back button before you go too far. <laughs> That's right. And remember, we can see exactly where you've skipped to. We're watching. And... We're always watching Wazowski. Ah, that's pretty good. That's not too bad. Yeah, I like that. Thanks. <laughs> it's all the cigarettes. Roz. A beautiful wildflower. <laughs> what if it all just blew away? Alright. Uh, Thank you both for joining. You're welcome. Thank you for having us. Yeah, Thank you to the band Problem of Interest for letting us use the song Living in the Moment off the album Cross Off Yesterday. You can find them in iTunes and Spotify. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever fine podcasts are sold. We're also on social media. Our Facebook is Better Buddies, where we post our meme Mondays and our icebreaker questions. Our Twitter is at Better Budcast. Use the hashtag Better Buddies when you tweet about the show. And our Gmail account is betterbuddiescast at gmail.com. You can send us fan art, hate art, fan mail, hate mail, declarations of love and or war, icebreakers you want us to talk about, or questions you need advice on. Last but not least, be a better buddy. Jerry Seinfeld has an episode where he he uh, he he's, he has, out. I don't know why it's so funny. It's really not that funny. He starts asking who runs the banks. Who runs the banks? Who are they? <laughs> who are the Illuminati? Who? Who? Do they even have a mailing address? Where do the tubes go? <laughs> How'd they get the plumbing? How? Who does the plumbing for the Illuminati? True, it's not even mechanical. It's just some guy on the other hand sucking real hard. <laughs> <laughs>